Looking out a dirty old window Outside the cars in the city go rushing by I sit here alone and I wonder why Friday night and everyone's moving I can feel the heat but it's really heading down I search for the beat in this dirty town Downtown the young ones are going Downtown the young ones are growing We're the kids in America We're the kids in America Everybody live for the music go round On today's episode, we start by bringing up our biggest disappointments in Candy Bar Corner. We then discuss the movie Clueless, a 1995 comedy, which inspires a short rom-com run for us. Hello, and welcome to The Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today... We're saving ourselves for Luke Perry. As if. <laughs> <laughs> With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Inan. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today we're discussing Clueless, a movie that I'm surprised to say does not come up in the 50 quintessential 90s movie list of IMDb, wow. which I think is an oversight. That's incredible. Right? That is incredible. A, a lot of good movies <laughs> on that list, but Clueless. I, I've never seen anything more 90s than that. But before we do that, <laughs> let's enjoy a bit of our sweetest segment, Candy Bar Corner. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, today's question is, is this. What was the most disappointing experience you've had with a candy or a snack? Pierre, you always go first. Okay. <laughs> um, so, mine is not a recent one. It was actually like a long time ago. Um, probably when I was probably maybe single digits, maybe, maybe 10 or 11 though. So, every time I walk past, I always think like in the shops, like just what a waste of space. Like literally waste of shelf space this item is and i've picked something that hopefully you guys have as well so it's not like some super niche australian like shrimp on the barbie lolly or something (laughs) (laughs) by the way we never say that so (laughs) i don't actually know really what shrimp um i think it's prawns anyway so have you guys ever had the colorful popcorn so not flavored necessarily but just colorful popcorn i don't i'm not sure if I look it up on Google, it'll be like a unique product. Yeah, the 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 brand we have is called Movie Time, and basically, it's like it, it's popcorn, right? Which is usually sort of white, a little bit golden yellow, maybe. Yeah. Except they've got it like in these colors, so they've got like blue, green, red, yellow. That that looks disgusting. All right. So as a kid, it doesn't look disgusting, Barrio. It looks fantastic. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, as, as an adult, you do see it through a different lens, um, or maybe no lens, you know, like you just see it for what it is. And honestly, as an adult, it just looks so bad because it's like, <laughs> yes. it just shouldn't be that color, you know, like seeing green popcorn is just the worst thing. But as a kid, you think, okay, this is just the best of both worlds, right? Cause you've got your popcorn, which is practically a health food and then you've got your um, then you've got your colorful stuff which is like all your sweets so it's just like everything in one and like could you get better than that right well turns out you can get better than that because it's horrible it's absolutely horrible it's like none of the joy of popcorn like that freshness that sort of that corniness but also like the hot sweet saltiness of popcorn you just don't get that because it's like all the, whatever paint they put on it has just sucked Ugh. out the life of the popcorn. And then I guess you get the same texture of popcorn, but you soon realize that the texture of popcorn is not its selling point. Like, because <laughs> when you think about it, once popcorn gets a little bit wet in your mouth, it's not that crunchy. It's actually like pretty soft. And your mind kind of skates over that because you're chomping them down. But because these are flavored and the flavors are just so bland. It doesn't taste like pure sugar because pure sugar is actually cool because that's like 
sour straps and, and, and stuff like that, right? It, does, it tastes like a weird kind of sugar where it's like been mixed with like water or something and it's just like this really bland, almost like a medicinal gummy or something like that. Like it's just like there is flavor, but it feels like they're trying to hide something else. But there shouldn't be anything to hide. It's popcorn. So <laughs> they've just sucked the life out of popcorn and they've made it absolutely horrible. Like even as a kid though, like sometimes you have stuff as a kid and you're oh, this is great. And then when you're an adult, you're like, how do I ever like that? But the thing is I tried it when I was a kid and it's just so horrible. I just uh, I just can't understand how they're selling it. Like, how have they made enough money to be able to produce more? Like- it looks like the cheapest <laughs> thing ever. Well, I guess popcorn. Like, I think it's it's probably one of the cheapest like snacks yeah, that you corn can create. Right? And sugar. Like, it's basically corn. Yeah, it, it's one of the lower production costs. Like, you think crinkle cut chips? Like, each one of them must cost like a dollar to make. They must be losing so much money on crinkle cut chips. You guys have crinkle cut chips, right? Let me no. Google this. What's that? Oh my God. This is a story <laughs> of today that you guys don't have crinkle cut chips. This is amazing. I thought I thought it was so well. I, I thought Jesus was eating crinkle cut chips. That's how like, you know, basic. Oh, it's the, the chips, the, the curly fries? No, 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 no. Not curly fries. So that's what they look like. They're like basically like crisps as i think the british yeah. call them or like potato chips as the um uh, americans call them but we just call we call potato chips chips and we call um the the potatoey like more wholesome ones chips as well we just call anything that has potato in it yeah chips. we call those so, like the the ones you get at mcdonald's um, chips but why do we call these ones mario the the Tapu Chips ones. There is a brand that is called Tapu Tapu Chips. Yeah, there's a name of the brand that just covers everything. Yeah, everyone calls it Tapu Chips. Yeah, yeah. it's like like the mixture of the words chips and potato. So like potato Potato. chips. And Uh, it just kind of, it's kind of like Kleenex. You know, it's like a brand that became generalized kind of. Mm, Yeah, so that's what we would call those. I can understand that. Cheetos almost, yeah. Uh, Almost, yeah. 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 Basically, you have your normal... We'll call them crisps, right? It's probably the global term, I'd say, crisps. that They're, they're great. Don't get me wrong. Love a crisp. But um, I don't know how long ago it was. It feels like a long, long time ago, like maybe early 2000s or something. They brought out crinkle cut chips, which there's absolutely no reason for because they're exactly like crisps. But I guess we could put a photo in, 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 the, in the show notes. But they basically just are like, they have like this, artificial like crinkle in them so like the it's like a zigzag pattern along the crisp and for some reason it just it just improves the quality like tenfold <laughs> it's just it's so much better having a crinkle cut than a and a plain the surface crisp. the the surface area is much bigger so the crisp factor is uh increased <laughs> yeah true maybe it's just like having two crisps <laughs> <laughs> They should put that on the back. Wait, so why why are they uh, disappointing? No, no, no. Crinkle cut chips are great. Oh, it's gotcha. The, um, popcorn. I don't even know how we got from popcorn <laughs> to crinkle cut chips, but uh, yeah, the 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 popcorn is just a horrible, a horrible. It horrible looks thing. disgusting. It looks like the cheapest thing you can eat. <laughs> it does look like the cheapest thing you can eat, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bless. So I kind of want to taste them, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Barry, what about you? What's uh, your most ex- uh, disappointing experience? Well, after the, the first quarantine where people started to come back to the office, we, we tried to think of a way, you know, to attract people back so we can have some fun and talk and and whatnot. And like we, we would come together every Thursday to something that we called Tasting Abominations. In, in Hebrew, it sounds better. But, oh, you um, guys, it's it's... My awful food club. Yeah, you took it and you 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 started it in your office without me. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, and and it was uh, it was very fun. Like it started with uh, the, the the first thing that that kind of like initiated it is that we tried Coke Mango. Yeah, I sent you a message about mango flavored Coke Zero. Oh, and you you geez. took it to your office. Ugh, Vario, you traitor. We we yeah we we just opened a bottle there and and kind of like <laughs> poured it into several cups and everyone took took a sip and <laughs> some some ran to the sink some kind of like <laughs> swallowed it with a with a disgusting disgusted face uh it was just just horrible 
And it's weird because I love Coke Zero and I love Mango, but that's just a horrible product. Yeah. What's even more amazing is that Cherry Coke is actually pretty yes, popular. Yeah, people love it. Like a lot of people like Cherry Coke. Yeah, I don't like it. There were, there were uh, at some point, cans of Coffee Coke. That one right? I loved. I wish they still oh, made it. that is and so odd. I, I, I Googled it and it turns out that like people make that at home and that, that, that was like... Uh, you know, something people do. So they try to capitalize on really? that and that didn't really work out. But there's a thing, like people do put coffee in their Coke. Huh. Hmm. Where do you stand on vanilla Coke? I didn't like that one as well. I, I never tasted it. Again, it sounds wonderful because I love wow. vanilla and I love that, Coke. Vanilla Coke is pretty popular in Australia. I tested it when I was in England. I don't think it ever came to Israel, but it wasn't my thing. Hmm. But actually, the Coke mango was not the, the most disappointing thing that I had because I knew that it might be horrible. The most disappointing thing that I had is some sort of a candy there that is called zephyr it's just uh what do you call it? meringue isn't it you think hmm. that it's going to be a meringue and you expect a certain taste you expect a certain texture and it's like everything is wrong <laughs> everything it's more of a <laughs> jelly based candy i don't know it's like incredibly sweet but not satisfying sweet yeah, it's pureed and fruit with a gelling agent sounds horrible <laughs> yes just just disgusting i gotta say i tasted a lot of weird stuff in these in these sessions this was the only thing that i actually went to the trash can and just oh. spewed out it was i, I couldn't swallow it it uh. just was horrible but it looks so nice you know it looks so fluffy and and Sally, yeah. yeah very disappointing the the most dangerous bit about um this game is if like Someone brings in like a home cooked meal or something like that, and then someone tries it, and they're like, "Oh, this is so bad!" And then they're like, "Oh, <laughs> actually, it's just normal actually, food." Actually, that was the nice that, part of the this meal. This is actually yeah. just my own like. This is actually just what I brought in yeah. for lunch, guys. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh my god! <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah that's, totally that's my wife dude. cooking, but uh, you know. <laughs> anyway, here's my uh, disappointing story. Uh, a few years ago, I went to the supermarket with my uh, then girlfriend, and you know, we collected all of the items we needed. We went down the aisles and all the things, uh, the, the normal things you do at the supermarket. And at some point, we came across this box that had these huge Ferrero uh, Rochers. Uh, Peter, I'm sure you know those, the, the Ferrero Rocher thing, candy. Yeah, yeah. So We have them. Yeah, for those who don't know, Ferrero Rocher is, is, is this small chocolate and hazelnut ball. And, and it's not my favorite candy, but, you know, it's, it's fun. It, I think it's considered to be like a fairly high-quality candy, and people really love it. And yeah, yeah. A- anyway, we found this huge Ferrero Rocher, and we both like stared at it for a second, uh, and, and we knew we had to get it. And I'd say it, it's about 30% larger than a tennis ball, so fairly big. Wow. Yeah, mm. and, and a regular one is a bit smaller than like a ping-pong ball, right? Like, I can yeah. close my hand over the, the regular-sized one easily. So I mean it when, uh, when I say it's huge. Like, and, and, and they're, you know, they're always covered in this golden foil thingy. So it, it kind of stood out, and we, we picked one up. Uh, we finished shopping, and we went back to the car, and we had to open it right then and there. Like, we really wanted to see what it would be like, and we couldn't wait to get home. So uh, we opened it in the car. We bought just one ball, and, and I, I was expecting it to be just like the regular one, but huge, you know, like a ball made of chocolate filled with chocolate and nuts and stuff. But this huge Ferrero Rocher ended up being hollow. Like, it's as if they melted down a bunch of small ones and made a ball no. out of them. Yeah, oh. I just Googled them. You can look l- look up Grand Ferrero Rocher. You'll, you can see those. That's such a disappointment. Yeah, and like the ball itself, you know, the the the, the chocolate is about five millimeters thick so it's not bad but man i really thought we found like a huge ball of chocolate and i couldn't wait to get into it but the the thing was hollow and it it still was really good chocolate really high quality stuff and it was kind of nice it was fun it really was kind of fun to eat but i really couldn't focus on that i was just sad that it wasn't full of the you know the bunch of fun stuff in it yes oh that's that's so sad that's it's tragic almost but yeah you can see a, a grand for a share next to like regular ones it's 
it's more than double in size it's it's huge but the fact that it's empty yeah imagine having this filled with uh like good chocolate good high quality chocolate and nuts and stuff it's so much fun ah man it's so disappointing yes man it's like getting your dreams crushed crushed like a hazelnut <laughs> <laughs> oh man this one the one i'm looking at it says it's 125 grams and there's a picture here of something that's uh, a grant for our share that's 240 grams so even bigger oh, man mm. we have to get those So, Clueless is a 1995 movie directed and written by Amy Heckerling, uh, starring Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, and Brittany Murphy. Uh, the movie is loosely based on Jane Austen's book, Emma, from 1815. Uh, a few major plot points from Emma appear in Clueless, and some of the characters have the same names. And the movie follows Cher, a young high school student from L.A. who comes uh, from a rich family, uh, and thinks she has everything figured out. She's popular, she knows how to navigate the social war zone in school, and she's used to having everything going her way. Uh, the movie introduces Cher to us as kind of a queen of the class type and an annoying self-centered person who'd argue her way through anything to get what she wants. She is living with her father, who's a big lawyer, her mother passed away when she was a baby, and her college student ex-stepbrother Josh, played by... Paul Rudd, who she doesn't get along with, is staying with them throughout the movie. The The first conflict she goes through in the movie uh, takes place when she gets her school report card in the beginning of the movie, and she has a few grades that kind of would be unacceptable by her father, so she manipulates her teachers to fix that. Uh, we see that she's very good at convincing and arguing when it comes to a few of her teachers, but she can't work her magic on her uh, debate teacher, Mr. Hall. She She feels like she's uh, losing control, and she needs to turn to drastic measures. So she decides to basically play puppet master, and with the help of her friend Dion, they get Mr. Hall to hook up with Miss Geist, another teacher at the school. And that works to her advantage. The, the, the two teachers hook up, her grades are adjusted accordingly, and she feels good about herself. She, so she decides to use her power to do uh, more good, and she basically forces a new student, Ty, uh, under her wing, and she looks at Ty as this clueless girl and makes her into a project. She wants to help her become popular and fashionable and basically more like her. And from our point of view, it kind of seems like Ty is not the clueless girl, clueless, helpless girl that Cher thinks she is. She seems to be making friends just fine by herself, um, especially with Travis, the skater boy. And she's she seems to be more experienced with boys and weed and stuff. And, and like, she's seen things in her time, but Cher doesn't seem to pay attention to it. And and Ty is just going along with, with you know, having new friends who accept her in a new school. And... While they become friends and Ty is slowly becoming more and more like Cher, uh, Cher is trying to play Puppet Master on a much grander level than before, and slowly she loses control. Uh, Ty slowly becomes uh, the popular girl at school, and they have a falling out. And Elton, who she's trying to uh, get to hook up with Ty, is into her. And Christian, the boy Cher is trying to hook up with, turns out to be gay, and Josh... Uh, her ex-stepbrother keeps pointing out her flaws, and worst of all, she fails her driving test. <laughs> um, and again, Cher finds herself lost and confused, and this time, though, uh, with, with the, the influence of Josh, uh, he teases her throughout the movie for being shallow and self-centered and clueless. She kind of learns to look beyond herself, and she becomes sort of obsessed with uh, helping other people and doing good. Uh, much like what she planned to do for Ty, except now she's actually open to the needs of other people. Anyway, after spending some time helping other people, you know, making mistakes along the way and doing some growing up, Cher becomes a more complete person. She makes up with Ty. She manages to look at her friends and see the good things in them um, that she couldn't see before. And she even finds love with Josh, which is a bit weird, but I guess it's okay. And... That's basically it. I kind of rushed through the whole thing, but, you know, let's talk about our general thoughts about the movie and get into some more specific points. It was a very lighthearted movie. It's kind of like an easy watch. There's nothing really deep going on. Well, it's it's actually fun. You know, you know what I got what I got really impressed by that 
a lot of the topics that you would think would become very uh, in, in the center of the movie, I don't know, like sex or love or drugs or, you know, anything that like a common teenage movie will, will consist of or money, you know, because everyone there is rich. It's all there, but it's, it's just not the main theme. And that was a very interesting experience, by the way. <laughs> I guess it comes to describe kind of like the shallowness of, of, of the movie, but in a way it's fun. Yeah, they weren't shying away from those, but they weren't like relying on those as well. Yeah, so it was a, a different movie than I would have thought, um, but it was fun. Yeah. It's not as shallow as you kind of expect it to be, but you're right. It's not the deepest movie. So when I watched it, um, I was I was meant to have a friend over actually to watch it, <laughs> which is a weird sell. Like, hey, do you yeah. want to come over and watch Clueless, like this 1995 chick flick? Yeah. And um, <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so secured the date, but um, I was feeling a bit sick actually. So I ended up watching it myself. And you know what? This is actually a pretty great film to watch when you're sick. It's like, it's so lighthearted. Like nothing really, um, like Barrio was saying, like nothing really affects the plot too much and nothing really affects their lives too much. Like there's a, there's a bit where um, Sher is like basically held up at gunpoint. Yeah. And <laughs> it, I, I was looking up the plot synopsis on Wikipedia and that doesn't come up. <laughs> like, it's, it's so weird. Just, yeah. Like things that like should be like very important in life just they're just like not that important in yeah the guy's actually threatening to shit her in the face yeah and then they forget about it yeah <laughs> it's just very much like um the there's like this almost like the plot isn't really their life events it's mostly like how she's feeling like her mood you know what i mean like if she's getting what she wants at the time you know what i mean it's very much like it in her head it's not really like She's trying to like materially get anything. It's all very much just like how she feels, you know. Yeah, it's not like one of the deepest films. Like, because I did, I did try like to see if there's any like deeper themes. Like, maybe it's actually they're they're playing 4D chess, and this is actually like some masterful depiction of our society. But it's not. It's <laughs> it's just like the the deepest thing you can really say is like. The title is actually very apt yeah. for this movie. Like the title basically about being clueless, which does like get a name drop in the film, but it's very much like people thinking they want one thing and actually they didn't want that thing. You know what I mean? Or like people like are doing one thing, whereas really they should be doing another thing. You know what I mean? Like for for instance, like the main thrust of the of the sort of the ending of the movie was when Cher, it's like, oh, actually, I was clueless. I do like Josh. And um, that's the cluelessness of Cher, but then Ty is being clueless. Like, she's she, she basically started out as this, like, perfectly likable character. Yeah. And then, she's, then she gets into this, like, I guess she becomes, like, almost like Cher, but she doesn't have Cher's redeeming qualities at the time. And she's just gone down the complete opposite sort of path she should go down. And then at the end, she corrects it again. Everyone at the end gets onto the right path, essentially. Yeah. But it's just a lot of people making like these silly mistakes or silly decisions. And then eventually, I don't know, they end up on the right path. But nothing is very deliberate. Yeah, I guess it's true to life in the fact that like no big plot is happening. No, you know mischievous plan is being undertaken it's all very much clueless it's just like you know things just happen as they happen but it's like being a teenager it's like yeah. you know nothing really is going on you're just going to school hanging out with friends and you yeah. feel like you're in the middle of a movie like you're starring in your own movie it's it's kind of the same feeling yeah but yeah it's like for instance sure is um sort of the inst instigator of the the teacher's relationships, right? The the two teachers that are giving her bad grades. She um, tricks, but also, I guess, <laughs> conjures up uh, a reason for them to be sort of in the same area and then they get to know each other and then they marry each other, which is like just perfect sort of thought. Like it's, it's a very smart thing for a, a person of her age to do. Like it's obviously a movie, but like if you think about like 
could anyone actually do that? Like there's, there's apps being made to do this and they don't do it very well. But, you know, that is actually quite remarkable. But then Ty um, is originally interested in Travis and their chemistry at that party and, you know, they, they were actually a very good match, I thought. Yeah. Like they had actually some of the best chem- chemistry in the movie, like especially when I can't remember the exact line, but um, Travis is like, you know, you can't do all this crazy stuff that the boys do because, you know, otherwise what would we do? And then he, <laughs> and then she's just like, I don't know. I'm sure you can think of something, you know, like it's <laughs> it, it was very natural and very like, teenagerish and I thought they were a great couple and she actively went out to like dissuade that relationship. So like in some sense she's very smart, but in other senses she's completely clueless. So yeah, she was a good character. I thought, I thought everyone played uh, more or less pretty good characters. Personally, it's not going to win any Oscars or anything. I haven't checked. I thought the movie as a whole, actually, I quite enjoyed. I, I was really surprised. So I, I watched this movie for the first time a few days after we recorded our last episode uh, with a friend, which, again, was a funny, funny conversation. Like, I had a friend over, and I was like, so do you want to watch Clueless with me? And he gave me, like, a funny look. But we did, and and it was a lot of fun. It, it's a really fun movie. Like you said, lighthearted, fun uh, and then a few days ago, I put it on again on the background as I was writing some notes. And, you know, then the movie ended and I wasn't really focused on the movie. So I, I let it keep playing and I listened to the music throughout the credits. And when those were over, the movie just uh, looped to the beginning. And honestly, I just sat there and enjoyed for enjoyed it for like 15 more minutes. Like, I felt like I could watch and enjoy the whole thing again. It's it's really easy. It's really, it's really fun to have in the background. It's really fun to... Like I, I, the, the the whole '90s feel, the whole the the slang, the 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 writing, everything is so cute about this. I I love this movie. I was really in the mood for a '90s movie, and this is one of the most '90s movies I've seen in a while. And movies from the early to mid '90s has something about them, something to them that makes them I don't know feel differently. I make make them make makes them more fun. I think, and it might be because as someone who was born in 1988. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time watching those movies. But uh, Peter, you were you were you were born like I don't know ten years after I was, and you you kind of feel that same way about '90s movies, right? I I do feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't experience it because obviously, if you're born in '97, like you don't experience the '90s like properly. But um, in terms of the look and feel of the movies, like the '90s is definitely one of the most iconic. I think for movie genres like when i'm in the car and a song comes on on the radio i just say to my dad like oh this is an 80s song i don't know the artist or the song but it's just like the 80s are just branded with like a certain style to it even if they're not even like a like a synthetic pop kind of thing it's just like oh yep this is 80s you know because it has a distinct feel and i feel like for movies that's the 90s although i would argue that it has a it's actually more of a positive connotation in the yeah. 90s because the 80s music sound was a bit off putting not something that we go oh, I wish we could go back to that yeah. like it, it it was like a phase we went through whereas the 90s is like if it was a phase it's a great one it's just like i think it's really character focused and i think it might be a little bit because in the 90s like i guess we didn't have social media but i guess the world was becoming a little bit more about social bit more about class a little bit uh, the start of almost like the capitalistic like people buying things and showing off their their stuff it felt like almost like we were primed so in 2007 when they released the iphone people were like oh look i have an iphone like that didn't happen overnight no like the whole status thing of like having an iphone was made way before there was these products like iphones and I think that was a lot in the 90s. And in, for better or worse, like actually for better in terms of movies, I think a lot of the movies focused very heavily on like how characters felt about things, how they were positioned, were characters like more supreme than other characters, hmm. who was taking the moral high road. Like a lot of these things were the focus of movies. Like if we think American Beauty, American Beauty was a lot about like the relationships between sort of the the characters that you just didn't 
get as much of in the decades sort of sandwiching it in the 80s and 2000s. Like 2000s, I feel like there was much more about like, oh, you know, with these budgets, now we can afford to do like these great set pieces and stuff like that. Now kinds of visual stuff. Look at this set piece we're going to do in Quantum of Solace with this driving scene, you know what I mean? It was, it was very much about like how good we can make movies look. Whereas in the 90s, like no one was like touting like the IMAX like premiere of Clueless. It was just like, it, it's almost made to be watched on DVD, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I like that point. So um, anyway, I think I think Amy Herkeling, the, the director and writer, I think she did an amazing job with this one because I think that the movie really captures the time and the feel of the high school drama and being a teenager and the dialogues are really fun and flowing. There's something fun or interesting going on at almost every moment, either either in the dialogue or, or on screen. There's really not a boring shot in this movie. And I thought... I thought Alicia Silverstone and I thought Brittany Murphy were perfect for this movie. Both really charismatic and fun. Paul Rudd as Josh was also great. I loved the characters in this movie. Like even even Cher's father, who seems to be like this typical angry movie father, was a really, really sweet character. Even, even though it was a minor character, I really enjoyed him. And I, we mentioned it. I, I love the story. It's not the deepest story. It's not a complicated one. But I thought that like Cher's transformation and growth were really well presented. It had points that I can see other movies kind of flubbing. What, what I'm saying is, like, if you look at the poster, like, you might think this is going to be a very shallow movie. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not the deepest movie, but it does what it does so well. Like, like even a simple story needs to be told well. And, and I think Clueless got it. So I really, really enjoy this movie. I, I, like I said, I loved Cher's transformation throughout the movie. Like, she starts as this totally shallow person and she ends up being a really uh complete really good person you know and I'm trying to think about her transformation like the main transformation that she did was that she fell in love with josh and i think that's a like a side effect of the transformation but okay um like i wouldn't say it's a, it's a major point of the the whole thing like i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying to think what else happened with her at the end like i guess the most crucial thing is that she apologized to Ty? Well, she manages to care about so many more things than than about herself. Like, if you remember, one of the first dialogues with Josh, he tells her about how he's uh, putting time into paying back to the community and stuff like that. And she says she does a lot of cool things on her own. Like, she once she'll get her driver's license, she'll stop for animals. And she's using a popularity for, for, for doing all kinds of cool stuff. Like... She gives all of her old clothes to the cleaning lady and stuff like that. And that's like basically, she she has good intentions, but in the end, she's actually the captain of like, there's this natural disaster and she's the captain of the relief team and she's collecting all kinds of stuff and she's organizing the whole thing uh, to help those people. You know, she like she actually does something that isn't selfish uh, but at all. what caused this transformation? Like I, I can imagine share from the beginning of the movie doing the same thing. The same way that she kind of like matched the teachers together, the same way that she uh, took Ty under her under her wing and kind of like tried to make her popular. Yeah, but those were things that she absolutely did to advance herself, like to improve her grades or to just make, feel, feel better about herself. Like she didn't even consider Ty's needs when she took her under her wings, you know, mm -hmm. at all. Do you think that's the changing point or the turning point when, um, like, after she gets told she's a virgin, you can't drive, which is just a great insult? <laughs> like, is that um, is that the turning point when she realizes she's just created this absolute demon, just like from scratch? Yeah, I think Josh's teasing throughout the movie kind of built the story towards that point because. He's often calling her selfish and he's saying stuff like, if you do something that isn't 90% selfish, then I'll die <laughs> uh, or stuff like that. And like he keeps pointing her towards the right direction, even though she's kind of resisting. <laughs> After that, she says, oh, that might just make it worth it or yeah. something like that. And I'm like, but that would be selfish then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Josh, he keeps pointing her in the right direction. And at that point, when she's uh, having that fight with Ty, 
she figures out that she was the clueless one. She was the, the blind one all along. And she kind of considers everything uh, in her life. And that's kind of the turning point because right after then, she, she does become this caring, good-intentioned person, you know? I'm not, again, I'm not going to say that it's the deepest transformation we've ever seen in movies. It's, it's definitely not the deepest movie ever, but it's, 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 it's a good story, you know? It's not, a, it's not nothing. Throughout the movie, kind of, uh, she, she basically More took... self-aware? No, she, she uh, wh- what was she doing with uh, Ty? She was kind of pampering her up. She was uh, nurturing her to be... Mentoring? <laughs> Yeah, mentoring her to be like a second chair. And then she saw what Ty became. And it was kind of like a mirror, you know? She looked at herself and she saw that, like, if Ty became a monster, then what was she all along, you know? She did have that nice scene at, like, towards the end. I can't remember all of it, but Cher was saying very reflectively, like, she was talking about the relationship between... Man, I'm going to butch these names, but Dion, maybe? Yeah, Dion is a friend. Her, yeah, and her boyfriend... Um, Turk. I don't remember <laughs> her boyfriend's name. Yeah, but um, sure. but she's like, oh, you know, they are actually very affectionate. And, you know, she's just like, she just went on this little rant. I should, yeah. I should bring it up. And it was very, I don't know, it was very reflective. Yeah, and she used to see Christian as this hot, cute guy that she wanted to get with. But suddenly, now that she, she, she looks a bit deeper into him... She finds this guy who's really interested in beautiful things and in arts and stuff, and she learns from that as well. And like, she takes a bit from her friends, and like, she has a deeper point of view into all of her friends than she used to, because she was a shallow, selfish person at the beginning. And despite that, I think that even even despite that, that from the beginning she did have like good intentions. You know, she was selfish, she was shallow, but she had good intentions, like. Her methods, like, were really misguided, you know? And she didn't really consider Ty in, in the whole process of, of grooming the new girl. Or she didn't really consider Miss Geist and Mr. Hall when she uh, helped them to hook up. But nothing really ended up badly. Like, even, I really love that Mr. Hall and Miss Geist ended up marrying. It shows that, you know, even though her reasons for bringing them together in the beginning of the movie, they, they didn't cause any harm, you know? From the beginning, she showed us that she was a really smart person. She, she mostly does well in school. The few grades that she had that weren't uh, up to snuff were only in like PE and debate and maybe another class. But she, she did well in math and she did well in other kind of types of, uh, of classes. And when she fails, she knows how to read the other person and talk her way out of it. Her ideas about larger matters shown through the debate class scenes are not perfect, but they they show her potential and they show that she's deep down she's a good person you know she she wasn't against anyone at all so i i kind of like the transformation and i kind of like that a lot of the good things that we see in share in the end are kind of seeded in the beginning even though she was misguided and blind by popularity and stuff you know the um the transformation same for me um, it's about with 15 minutes to go. So it's towards the end. But she says, um, later while we were learning about the Pismo Beach disaster, I decided I need a complete makeover of my soul. Or, you know, except this time it's going to be my soul. So she says, what makes someone a better person? Then I realized all my friends were good already, essentially. She talks about Christian. Yeah, she takes a bit of the best of everyone. Uh, she talks about Dion. I thought that was like one of the most reflective bits in the movie for me. Like just, I don't know. She even talks about Miss Geist and stuff like that, like trying to get them involved. And that's like, that is a higher level for thought for an, like a 15 year old to think like, <laughs> oh, you know, this teacher's trying her best and stuff like that is, let's call like, that's advanced, like, <laughs> you know? And kind of on a similar point, I, I really love that Ty ended up with Travis. Again, it's, it's something that yeah. they kind of, put on the table from the beginning of the movie, you know? They seem to have this certain connection right from the beginning, from the first time they met. I think it was in line for, for lunch at the school. But because Cher got in the way and they didn't get to be close with each other. And then with Cher out of the way, 
they ended up getting closer, like, almost naturally, and they ended up together and happy. Yeah. Oh, also, I, I really love that Travis, the minor, boneheaded, comedic relief character, ended up finding love. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was cute. It gives you hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am a minor, boneheaded, comedic relief character in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're right regarding the, the point of... Um, usually, when a character grows, it becomes more active and more in control, but... Here, it's kind of like the other way around. Like, the way for Cher to grow is to move aside. And then the way that Ty and... and uh, I will never f- remember his name. Ger- let's call him Ger... Travis. Uh, Travis. Ger- Gerald. <laughs> Gerald. <laughs> At a certain point, we need to do, like, a, the, the top 10 names that I got wrong during the, the episode. Although I'm not, I'm not sure that you actually see them together. Like, like she's watching him skate... Right, Ty is watching him skate. Oh, they're then, they're going together to that wedding at the end. But I guess like, I just I just figured out they uh, yeah yeah they they ended up together. But you're right, maybe you don't see them. Yeah, but it's probably it's probably there. But you're right. The movie starts like at the beginning of the movie. We hear Cher say a few times how she about she she talks about how she hates to lose control and feel like she she's out of touch. I think her solution to that was always doing a makeover mm. and then in the end when she really loses control she does this makeover of her soul and and then i don't know from the the, the middle of the movie until the end of the movie she never mentions having to have control so maybe maybe that's a good point mm. so what do we all think of um paul rudd man <laughs> he's so young in that so much younger yeah. than he was in friends even <laughs> so young but he's cute. He's adorable. <laughs> Paul Rudd is becoming one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Like, the thing is, he isn't that versatile. Or actually, I shouldn't say that too hastily because I haven't seen a lot of his more, like, dramatic movies. I see more of his comedic. Yeah. But um, he does play a similar role. You know, like, the person who's kind of, like, you can tell there's more to him, but he's, he tries to play a little bit of, like, the comedic relief role. Yeah. You know? And... Um, I don't know. There's something very charming about Paul Rudd. Like, I feel like this is the case with a lot of good actors. And I've probably said this a few times, but I feel like the best, like a, a great actor will portray the role as it was written. Uh, an actor that goes better than great, like a, just a fantastic actor does that, but they also bring their own personality into it as well. Like, yeah. I, I personally feel like there's a benefit when actors bring themselves into the movie as well like their own personality and sure you can make the argument that it's like well then you're kind of doing the character a little bit of a disservice by thinking you know oh you know what this character could do with a little bit of me but like (laughs) you know what like if they ever did a remake it's going to be done with someone else like it's just like you only have one life like i feel like actors should like bring a bit more of their personality into it when it calls for it like if you're doing like a World War Two, like reenactment <laughs> or something like that. Don't don't bother. But like, don't be Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah, for like for like these movies and stuff like that. If Paul Rudd tried to play more straight down the line with like this little smart like Nietzschean boy, <laughs> I guess he is playful, but not in the Paul Rudd type. Like you could see him playing like a role like that, or or just hire someone else who doesn't have that factor to him. You know, it would be fine. But the fact that Paul Rudd's doing all those Paul Rudd things, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that almost always makes the film better when you can see a little bit of the character's personality um, in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I thought he played a fantastic role. And it was like one of those interesting roles where like whenever he's in a scene, you always think something's going to happen. Like he almost, I wouldn't say he drove the film forward, but like you definitely felt like, the movie was going to go f- a forward a step when he was there. Like it was always the conversations when he was there yeah. that were kind of like driving the film forward. Like he, he was uh, mostly the, the the biggest point of contrast to Cher's uh, character. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's probably why he was most interesting as well because it's like every other character, I guess, was similar to Cher. You know what I mean? Like even Dion's boyfriend, like not that different. You know what I mean? They're all teenagers and yeah. then you get Paul Rudd and it was just like, oh, this is like um, like an interesting change, you know, like because he's playing with like the adults. He's, he's sitting at the adult table uh, with dad and he's playing like this grown-up role where he's like, yeah, yeah, let's get all these documents and stuff. And then he sees Cher 
and he's like, oh, hey, Cher, like, what's going on? Going to the mall? You know, like, he can play, like, both roles in the movie, like, connecting to the adults, to the kids. And I don't know, there's something so irresistible about that character, like, when they do that. Like, it's it's doing it's not doing anything meta or fourth wall breaking, like, nothing crazy like that. But it's definitely, like, because we're wrapped up in this movie with the teenagers and the teenage drama and stuff like that. And it is low stakes, but it's still real. It's still real for the characters. But when Paul Rudd comes in and they're doing like the legal case, the legal case becomes the really real thing. That becomes like the the thing you don't want to screw up. And sure, it does screw it up eventually. But, yeah. Um, but that becomes like the serious thing. And then all the other stuff suddenly becomes really lighthearted and it's just like, oh, you know what, you're you're a virgin who can't drive. Who cares? Like it's just like one of those like it just adds like levity by having Paul Rudd do both roles. So yeah, I I just love that character to be honest. And yeah. he, he 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 will never do a disservice to a character. He he has too much natural charisma to like make a character boring. So I totally, totally agree. I wanted to mention also Alicia Silverstone and Brittany Murphy because, I, again, I, I mentioned they were both perfect for, for the roles they did. They did an amazing yeah. job. I thought they really gave, along with Paul Rudd, I thought that they really gave the movie most of its charm. Silverstone, obviously, she had a much more major role, and I loved every second of her. And Murphy, I couldn't take my eyes off of her when she was on screen. She was so cute, and she was so fun to watch, you know, and that... That uh, accent she has, I don't know, New York accent or whatever it was, so fun. Mm, yeah, she she was great. She was a little bit of like, um, again, a bit like Paul Rudd where like she just offered a little bit of a different to different kind of vibe than Dion and Cher. Like, yeah, I don't know. Even extending that to Travis and um, and the, the, the molester, forget his name, and <laughs> Elton. <laughs> and Dion's boyfriend, like all, all the teenagers, essentially, she was a little bit different to start out with. She yeah. eventually co- coalesced into being one of them, but um, but for a while she was like the oddball, like when she basically went through like an NFL training regimen of knocking her head and falling downstairs. <laughs> but, um, you know, besides that, like she was conversationally at least different and she was pretty cute. <laughs> so... She definitely had a different take on, like, what it was to be cool. For instance, like, when you see Scherz, like, oh, you know, look at you in that Nietzsche book. But then when Ty sees him reading a book, it's like, oh, look at this. He's a book reader. You know, like, it's <laughs> it's very, I don't know, the, the values pyramid is different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she, she just, she sees different things in people, I guess. Yeah, the thing with the book is kind of interesting because... Like the first time we see Christian, the guy she share is really into, and she thinks he's cool. He's reading this. I don't remember what book, but it's kind of like a, you know, a, something a kid wouldn't normally read. And she totally ignores it. She she only sees how cool and how hot he is. And a couple of scenes later, she sees what's his name, Josh, reading a book by the pool. And she she kind of ignores Josh and just makes fun of him reading a book, like as if reading a book is. Is, is a bad thing, but the guy she's into reads books. So, again, kind of shows you how blind she is to, to, to details, you know? You want to talk about Stacey Dash? What about her? Well, it's a pity that she didn't have a more major role in the movie. I kind of liked her character. She was cute. I kind of thought she was, like, I, I don't know. I felt like when Cher or when Ty were on screen, I couldn't, like, I, my eyes were drawn to them. But with Dion, I didn't feel the same thing. Yeah. You know? It's the same for me. Hmm. I don't know. She felt too similar to Cher, but like, just we didn't really get to find out more about her. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She was literally just a supporting character. Yeah. I don't remember, yeah. Barrio, if, I, I don't know if you remember, but like a year ago, we were sitting in a bar in Tel Aviv and, and she came up in a conversation. Do you remember that? Uh... For some reason, we talked about Clueless and... Uh, the friend that was sitting along with us, uh, she wanted to see what Stacy Dash looks like. Uh, I don't remember why, but we talked about whether she's pretty or not. So I googled Stacy Dash, and one of the first things that came up was an article: "Is Stacy Dash the most hated person 
in America today. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It's radical. Wow. Hated. But what did she do? Yeah, it turns out she was, I don't know, a reporter for Fox News or something. And she she kept talking against LGBTQ. Oh, really? Uh, she kind of harbors a lot of hate to people who are different than her or something like that. And Fox News, who I think are considered to be fairly radical, they fired her. And she's really hated for her opinions and stuff. Oh, wow. There's also a Clueless TV show. There was a TV show. I think it ran for like two or three seasons. I'm not sure. I don't think it had any of the actresses from uh, from the movie. Oh, I'm looking at pictures of it right now, and it kind of looks uh, familiar to me. I think I used to see it when we were kids. Oh, <laughs> Stacy Dash is in it as well as Dion. Oh. Yeah, but it's... it's oh, and there, it, it has Mr. Hall and Miss Geist, the, the same actresses, Aww. the same actors. <laughs> That's good. I'm just looking through Stacy's sort of attributes and stuff online and i'll just say now that it's a wild life (laughs) (laughs) like the spouse list is long there's a section called trauma drugs weapons and legal troubles which i haven't read yet (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's it's um obama in 2008 trump in 20 whatever it is it's it's a wild ride (laughs) i I don't know i haven't formed an opinion yet but yeah i i just can't imagine the friends she had when she was 20 of the same friends now feels like there's just been too many sieves too many filters <laughs> to to make it through all that and i see about something about kanye west which is i'm sure totally above board yeah <laughs> yeah she she seems like a really cute person but deep inside she 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 seems to be a bit scary to me <laughs> You can tell we don't rehearse these podcasts. <laughs> this is the bit where you say she's cute and scares me <laughs> on the first table read. Yeah. Uh, I want to. I wanted to mention the the soundtrack of the movie. I really, really enjoyed it. the mm. The movie has a, a few really fun songs in the background. So I edit up the OST, the the official soundtrack to my music app, and I listened to it a few times in the last couple of weeks, and I liked it a lot. Like. Not all of the songs from the movie are on the album. For for example, um, No Doubts, Just a Girl, uh, was in the movie uh, for a few seconds there, but it's not on the album. Mm-hmm. And there was a Cranberry songs on the movie and another Cranberry songs on the album. So I, I guess I guess it was a budget thing. Like they didn't put in the, the most expensive songs into the OST, but the OST isn't the best one. But you know what? Like first of all, I had a lot of fun listening to those '90s songs. The sound throws me throws me back to when I used to listen to music on tapes, but also the soundtrack just made made, made me think the the whole movie is about you know popular cool things, and according to that soundtrack, I get the idea that in 1995 the music that was cool, the music that was in, was still kind of centered around rock. You know, the the OST is mostly made up of fun rock songs, a bit of ska and punk in between all all of the rock songs and sometimes there's like a 90s dance song or that rolling with the homies song but all in all mostly rock fun rock songs you know and and i would have loved to live in a time in which the music that was popular overlapped with my taste in music yeah must be a magical feeling and that ost is like a proof that it used to be that way which is uh, Mm. kind of a bittersweet kind of thing yeah david bowie's in there Radiohead, our favorite band, is in there. So, um, yeah, a lot of good songs there. I would say it took me back, but to be fair, I wasn't born when <laughs> um, Radiohead started. But <laughs> Oh, man, Radiohead, Radiohead is older than you are. Yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like something happening before the Big Bang, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter's birthday was that important. <laughs> <laughs> I did say it when anonymous speaking. I was like, I wonder if people hear this. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think music will ever uh, go back to to like being centered around drums and and guitars as like the, the center point, happening. right? I don't know. To be fair, I what I think is that that everyone is becoming less on the same page. Like, because think about maybe twenty years ago, I would assume. If you went around on the street and interviewed people, most people could name a few songs from like the top 10 or something like that, right? Yeah. But I feel like now, like if you go around, yeah, you might find a few people who would list them off, like quite a few people still, maybe even the majority. But 
I feel like there's so many people like me that would just be like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard an album from this year, but I'm sure I could recognize something if it if it came on. I yeah. might have heard it. But like I could only name one Billie Eilish song. And it's not because I'm like turned off by modern music. It's not my favorite thing, but like, you know, 50, 60 years of really great music. Yeah. To just go straight to 2021 is less odd to me. Just going back to history and seeing what other people like seems naturally to me like what you would do. And it actually surprises me that there's so many people like loving the new music coming out. Yeah, that's just what I think. So like when I'm listening to like the the Clueless album, it just reminds me of a time where like most people would just go to somewhere and like everyone would have the same taste or similar taste, you know, but now like it's becoming normalized to like, just like trap music or just like um, very specific types, which I think is a good thing overall. But I don't think it's ever going to go back to like everyone loving classic rock or anything. So. Yeah, in 1995, you didn't have like a Walkman or a CD player, a portable CD player. Mm. You'd have to listen to what's on the radio. And, you know, it's everything would be more based on what's popular today. And then if even if you did go to buy like cassettes or CDs, then you'd get probably get the the the, the album that's hot right now. Mm. Otherwise, you feel like you're gambling with your with your money. But now it's like nine dollars a month, and everything is open up to you, and and mm. you can choose from everything. And you have podcasts thrown in there as well. So yeah, I guess everyone like like the the collective taste in music is less centralized, or at least that's what I'm telling to myself to 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 be okay with the fact that literally nothing today overlaps with my taste of music. I could have just said music will become less centralized and that would have saved us two minutes. But <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so um, overall, I have, I have pretty positive um, thoughts about this movie. Going into it, I didn't really have many thoughts. Like I wasn't dreading watching a 90, uh, 1990s, I guess, rom-com. Like I, I was totally happy to sit through a, you know, half-decent um, 90s movie with a good cult following, but um, I think I was in a really good mood to watch it as well. Being a little bit under the weather, it just, I don't know, it lifted my spirits. Um, I thought there was some, I guess you could say, light-hearted theme to it of transformation, but there's nothing too serious about it. I would say, is it going to change the world? No, but a lot of people actually really, really love this film. So in some ways it has. Yeah, I, I thought overall, like, challenge challenge past or whatever they say, when, like, if you went out to make a film like this, like, they definitely succeeded by making a really good film. Yeah. It's actually sort of kick-started a little bit of, like, a, a hunger in me to watch more of these kind of films. Because, oh. like, a lot of the films I do tend to watch in general are more like Tom Cruise, like, will he live, will he die, of course he'll live why did I ever think you'd die kind of movies, you know? Whereas, like, this one was much more of a, I don't know, like, the stakes were a bit lower. It was more about having a good time and, like, just enjoying the journey a little bit, not whether the villain will win or not. So it's a good experience. So, yeah, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. I don't think I'll ever not want to watch it again. I feel like it's Mm. always a good thing to, to, like, put in the background or... You know, just enjoy lightly, you know, don't have to put a lot of thought into it, put it on and enjoy it. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have like a collection of videotapes that I I loved, like movies from the early 90s that I was already, uh, I already watched a few times and I was already uh, always ready to watch them again. Like uh, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you have nothing to do, just pop one of those tapes on, it'll be fun. And I, you know, I didn't have too much time to get into it, but I think that YouTube is full with like video essays about this movie, which I'll try to get into soon. And this movie has the 90s charm. Uh, I I think it's never boring. The dialogues and everything on the screen is always really fun. I love it. I I don't know if it's a great movie. You know, it, it really works for me and it's not as shallow and dumb as it might seem at the beginning, but it's also not too deep. I think it's, it's a nice movie to clear your head. Like, I, I really don't want to watch it another again. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not Clueless has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, a.k.a. 
the quig. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay, and the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Let's vote. Let's go with Barrio. Well, I will ominously stroke my mustache. Uh, while it is a fun and kind of like a bit nostalgic movie, I don't feel that it has a lot to to pitch in. And I got to say that surprisingly, I don't think that I saw that many references to it from kind of like recent pop culture. No, maybe not too many. Peter, what about you? Um, I actually was, like, as soon as I finished the film, I thought, yeah, this might be a hat tipper. But um, I don't know, like... I. I don't want to exaggerate like how good it is. I so I probably will stroke my mustache for it, but um you know, it doesn't mean it's not a not a good experience or anything like that. Yeah, same here. I'll stroke my mustache despite having really enjoyed this movie. It's just not it. So, I did say that this movie kind of kickstarted like I don't know, I guess a rom-com thing for me like just just something about the lightheartedness of a of a romantic comedy is I don't know just something that potentially I might might be into a little bit more and I do already like rom-coms I love um Devil Wears Prada yeah it's one of my favorite films infamous but um I haven't watched a lot of them so I'm going to give you guys two choices one is a rom-com and one is totally different and it's, it's not a film it's an album <laughs> <laughs> so the rom-com I'm, I'm going to give you guys as an option is Love Actually from 2003. Mm. So that, that features uh, Hugh Grant or Hugh Grant. And um, the other option I'm going to give you is um, something that I guess Inon might have helped me get to. You were saying this is an artist you might know, do you know Tame Impala? And uh, I said, of course I know Tame Impala. <laughs> like everyone knows Tame Impala. Then Anon's like, oh, okay, cool. You listen to them? I said, oh, no, no, no. I, I can't name a song. <laughs> and um, Tame Impala, at least in Australia, is, you know, as close to everyone on the same page as you can get. Like it's most people know Tame Impala. I think they're very popular. Even I, I, I recognize the look of the singer or whatever he does in the band. And they they do interviews. It, they're, they're big here. But. I couldn't name a song. I couldn't name an album. So I figure I should listen to it eventually. And um, I looked up one of the albums and uh, what do they say? They say, um, if you're looking for a modern day version of the Beatles, this record is for you. And you know, the last time someone said something was like the Beatles was um, when About we listened Radiohead? to Radiohead Kid A. Yeah. yeah. So I figure that that might be the... The album. So the album is called Lonerism from 2012. Yeah. So so what do you guys think? You guys have any any thoughts? For me, it's easy. I, I want to watch Love Actually. I've been <laughs> looking through it now and it seems like it has a lot of big names. Tame Impala, that's a very interesting choice because I think I've heard a few of their songs in like commercials and stuff and maybe, maybe in movie soundtracks. I'm not exactly sure. But... As of now, the impression I get of them is not not a favorable one. Mm. I, I think like it's one of those bands that I don't really know. I can't really tell you what they sound like, but I think I don't like them. I don't know if I'm totally into it, and I do want to give it a shot. So I'm casting my vote for Tame Impala. Barrio is into Love Actually, and Peter, you have to make a choice now. Easy done. I'm just going to get a random number generator. And I'll just mention that uh, on allmusic.com, if you sort by user ratings, then Lonerism has uh, about 2,400 people voted for it, uh, and it's almost a five-star album. So that's a very good sign. All right, guys. Um, so random number generator between <laughs> one and two. What do you guys want? What what what's one and what's love two? actually is one, one because uh, that's the first one, one you've introduced. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Let's see how it goes. We got number number one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be love actually, guys. Barrios tipped the scale. I'm happy. Cool. Uh, it has seven point six on IMDb. It's two hours and fifteen minutes long. 
it has Hugh Grant and Colin Firth and Liam Neeson and all kinds of cool Alan guys. Alan Rickman. Oh, wow. So many cool people. Yes, yes, yes. Our yes. Alan Rickman. And Bill Nighy and Kieran Knightley. Oh, man. It, it looks good. It looks good. Yeah. I can't wait. It's almost like a um, sequel to this Clueless, like in our, in our rom-com <laughs> yeah. thing. It actually could be nice to have a... A lineup of rom-coms. It will give us yeah, proportion yeah, we do that. in kind of like judging them. Give us something to compare to. Yeah. Um, like that random generator uh, thingy just basically shut that door on Tame Impala. I'm never going to listen to them now. <laughs> never. That's it for them. <laughs> uh, it's on my short list of, of things. So. Okay. So um, thank you, Peter. And thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. Thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. See ya. The Culture Quest podcast is brought to you by no one in particular. The best way to support us and help us grow is to tell your friends and family about us and to direct them at episodes that they might find interesting. We might start a Patreon page at some point. That way we'll be able to do some cool stuff with people who decide to actively support us, such as you'll be able to join our Discord channel and discuss the albums, movies, books we're doing before we record each episode. You'll be able to suggest and to vote on the subjects that we do. We can maybe do listening parties with the albums we've covered and who knows what else. Uh, If you think you might be interested in something like that or you want to contact us about anything else, drop us a line. You can find all the ways to contact us on our website culturequestpodcast.com Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, org. so it's it's a dot org so it's it's legit and um basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity so obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times but if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to um, charities it's definitely best to do your research because a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So, yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not... Formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.